let's let's think about this. What do we do? We either go on sold out or we put it on pre-order. So we were like, all right, let's just put it on pre-order. Let's call it a night. Let's see what happens. I mean, the next day it was like tens of thousands in revenue. Yeah, completely yeah. random accounts. We're we're talking about an elephant shirt, and yeah. I, you know, trending above the country music awards that night on Twitter was like, I was like, holy shit, that's that wild. Nice. What is happening right now? We had to have the state help us find a place that could fulfill all of our product, hold all of our inventory, because at this point, twenty orders you guys doing type of thing. I mean, the first year we did twenty eight million. Damn, twenty eight million, no paid marketing. <laughs> So uh, welcome to episode 51 of uh, New Money Podcast. Perfect, yeah. perfect, perfect. We have uh, Richard Henny over here, kind of like go. the Hennessy, but yeah. like yeah, over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to butcher this. Uh, if you've been in e-commerce for a long time, I'm sure you've seen the brand Ivoriella, one of the co-founders of Ivoriella. Amazing brand, has been around for almost a decade. Almost a decade now. Kind of yeah. crazy, yeah. Wow, decade. Decade ago, I was 14. <laughs> yeah. I was sitting in college. 15. Man. He yeah. forgets his age. 15. Yeah. yeah almost 25. <laughs> oh, yeah. Close, close. But, uh, um, we're getting there. I, yeah. Usually, what we like to do is like, if you were walking in a bar, if you're in a bar in New York and somebody random met you and you were like, hey, who are you? Richard, who are you? What in do you sense? do? What, what would you tell them that you do? What do you tell me to do? We know what you do, but sure. tell the people who you are what you do. What, what would you tell them that you do now versus maybe what you would have told them 10 years ago? <laughs> yeah. you know? yeah. Now it's like uh, <laughs> a little bit different, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, for me now, like I kind of look at it as I got a decade of experience failing forward and learning from that. So I try to work with e-commerce founders, startup founders, uh, show them the ropes, show them not to make the mistakes I made and, uh, you know, try to help people succeed. That's mainly my focus. Now. Yeah. And he's super modest. Like, yeah, to, if, if I can't say this, we'll cut it out, but they've done like hundreds of million dollars. I do my best. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm, I'm curious because I had heard of this brand in college um probably like five years ago ish at this point i really know what it was i was like why is a random girl so excited about elephants <laughs> um a lot of people i guess love elephants you love elephants yeah man um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> before i butcher the story i'm i, I want to hear like the whole story of like how you guys started, you started in college whole bunch of co-founders and you got here all the way to this point the brand obviously blew up it was, it was a big deal in the space um so like please take the floor give us your whole spiel, your story. Sure, man. What's it about? Feel free to interrupt. And no, we will. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, definitely yeah. Will. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, but yeah, so like I, in high school, like I, to take it all the way back for a quick sec, like I was not a good student, right? Like I did not know what I wanted to do. I probably had like a 2.0 GPA. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I always knew that like something was going to call to me, but I just never knew what it was. And like all of my friends, I'm sure you guys had similar experiences, but they were all going to like state schools and frat parties and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah. And they were like, that's the dream, man. We're going to go party in college. And like, I just got rejected from everywhere. So like that immediately <laughs> was like, yeah. okay, maybe not. And uh, the one school that really caught my eye was Temple, right? Because like I'm a suburb kid right outside of Philly. Never really had a big city experience. Didn't really meet a lot of people growing up either. Um, so I was like, all right, screw it. Let's go to Temple. Let's check out the big city. And like immediately, Wait, big after, city is in what, like Philadelphia, North Philly, man. Yeah. Come on. For me, that was like a whole new world. Big city, of a, yeah, the big yeah. Philly cheesesteak. Dude, love me some cheesesteaks. But uh, yeah, like I got there and I knew immediately. I was just like, all right, I just want to make money and set myself up, right? So, got into the business school. No idea what I wanted to do. You know, I picked like the most random major that just had the highest placement rate. 
uh, risk management and insurance. Interesting. Yep. So I was going to sell insurance, healthcare. Pat Betrick uh, David. Pat. Yeah. Pat. Uh, what is it? Pat What's his Bet- full name? Yeah. He does a lot of insurance. It's a billion dollar insurance company. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's a lot of sales. Yeah. It's talking to people. It's selling a product you hope will help them, but yeah, usually yeah. it's kind of just a waste of money. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but like in college, I would meet all of these people who were just like hustling, right? And they were all had these different startups. And I must have done like three or four in college that all pretty much tanked, you know? Um, but it got me into this hustle culture and being mm-hmm. like, yo, I, I want to start something for myself. I just don't know what that's going to be. Um, the one I really like to tell just because it's like so fucking stupid <laughs> is uh, Vima Verve. Have you guys heard of Vima? No, what's that? I feel like I have. I might be a little old now and I'm feeling kind of dated, but it's like your traditional multi-level marketing pyramid. Yeah. Got it. It's the yeah. energy drink. They show up to college and they're Beamer. They're like, yo, man, like I sold all these drinks. You can do it too. And like for a couple of weeks there, I drank the Kool-Aid. I was like, oh, dude, like I'm going to make millions of dollars yeah. all of this crap. And like really what it just did was get me out of my comfort zone. I would have these big networking events at our house in college. We'd have all these people come over. We'd be pitching them the product. And I was like, okay, this is fun. Like, and I'm meeting people that want to make money, that want to hustle, want to do something different. Um, And this would eventually lead me to one of my partners, John, right? So John was my buddy from high school. Um, We went to Pencrest, Delco Boys. um, And we were both at Temple. And he was like, all right, I see what you're doing. I don't know if I believe in the company, but like, let's, let's do this and see what's going on. And that eventually led us to meeting other people with similar mindsets, who was our next partner. Just to take a step back, we had six partners at Ivriella, so I'm probably going to be mentioning them a lot. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> crazy, crazy. And uh, we met this kid named Jacob. And Jacob was like one of the first people we met in the Twitter game. Uh, so for those of you that don't know, we launched Ivriella using parody Twitter accounts. So like cute puppy dog pics, travel pics, uh, lady boners, which was basically just lady shirtless boners. pictures of Ryan Gosling and Justin <laughs> Bieber. That account flew and that was Jacob. So shout out to him. How, how are you using that to drive sales? So at this point, we have no idea. Okay. Right. We just have these accounts. Yeah. Oh you, oh, you guys own the accounts. Yeah. So it was his account. Oh, shit. Our other partners accounts. And that was like the goal, right? It was like, we'll just build these audiences and then we'll figure out what to do. I'm just learning about this shit. So I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. Is social media all rigged? Like, how, how are these <laughs> accounts growing? Yeah. Um, and they were like all doing like your typical ad stuff, right? Like go to this page, check out some miracle pill, whatever. Like nonsense. no OnlyFans at the time. No OnlyFans <laughs> at the time. This was like pre-Uber days. So we were, we yeah. were trying to make it work. Um, but what they did do was launch a wholesale women's business called Boho Outfitters. Wow. Basically, uh, they would go on wholesale sites, buy a ton of women's clothing, house it in their basement and ship it out at a markup. Nothing special, but like in college, they were doing 20, 30 K a month. Which was like that's money in college. Holy yeah. shit, dude! Yeah. I was like, "What is well, happening?" Well, according to college, twenty k a month is not a lot of money. Dude, I know, I know. <laughs> this guy over here with the takes. Uh, but yeah, I'm like, okay, whatever you guys are doing, like, count me in. I will be your executor. I'll be at the tech center every night hustling. Like you tell me. So, those first couple of weeks, it was like me sitting there writing product descriptions. Like, oh, this romper. You're gonna go romp in it and it's gonna be great. And like, you know, we don't know. <laughs> no idea what it is. There's yeah. no chat GBT or yeah, like yeah. bullshit back then. Um, but what we did see is like this weird little trend, which was just anytime a product with an elephant was on it, it would sell out instantly. Right. So we're like, okay, 
there's no real brand value with what we're doing. We're just reselling crap. Um, we're building an audience, but we don't really know how to capitalize and grow it. And then we start seeing that happening. At the same time, uh, HBO just did a big docu-series on the uh, Ringling Brothers Circus, how they were just terrible to elephants and, and all that type of stuff. Yeah. And we're like, okay, the stars are starting to align here. We see a pitch. You see companies like uh, Ralph Lauren, everybody in college is just wearing the same freaking t-shirt with their mm. little logo. Yep. Like, you know, we're so cool. And we're like, okay, maybe we can, maybe we can do something here. So basic t-shirt. We're like, look, we're going to put the logo on the front, a bigger logo on the back. But like, how is this going to be something special? Right. So like we had a bunch of random ideas. We we're going to like plant a tree for every shirt sold the, the Tom shoe model. Yep. Um, but eventually where we landed on was just, you know, we're going to do 10% of net profits donated. Yep. Felt like it was a big eye catching number. Felt like it could really do some impact. And like, personally, I, I just believe, especially in like America where like everything is so over uh, corporatized, like we kind of have a right to give back and help people, right? Like you can make money over fist, but like, if you have that ability, you should try to do some good in the world. Yeah. Just simple belief to pay it forward. And um, that was the core of the business. So for like two months, we argued on a name, we circled back and forth on what to do, <laughs> logos getting tossed around and edited. Should we do a, a second toe? Maybe the trunk's curled a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, All that stuff. Which yeah. is the worst stuff. Yeah, yeah. it just goes on forever. You're yeah. like, okay. But what it let us do at the same time is we started another Twitter account and that one was called Elephant Vibes. Very simple. Cute baby elephants rolling around in mud, bubbles out the nose, whatever you wanted to do. And that got up to 200,000 followers since the time that we started talking about the idea to eventually when we launched. Wow. So we had all of our accounts across the six founders, 25 million followers probably. Damn. Jeez. And they were all talking about this brand. Who, who owns Ivoryella? When's this company launching? What are these cool teas we're Just seeing? Hyping it up. Hyping it up. And that probably went on for a month. And uh, it was the American Country Music Awards. I guess this was like 2015. And uh, we just we just flipped the account from Elephant Vibes to Ivoryella, and we did the launch, and we pumped it on all the accounts. Uh, that first day, we had 500 T-shirts, and I think we sold out in like seven minutes. Jeez. Jeez. And we're all sitting there on the phone, like, "What the fuck did we do?" <laughs> and uh, did you have the T-shirts? Hell no. <laughs> no. No, we had the blanks. We we're like, ah, we'll print them when we need to, you know. Yeah. So we're like, okay, let's 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 think about this. What do we do? We either go on sold out. Or we put it on pre-order. So we were like, all right, let's just put it on pre-order. Let's call it a night. Let's see what happens. I mean, the next day, it was like tens of thousands in revenue. Is this on Shopify? All on Shopify. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we're all sitting there all night. Refresh, refresh, refresh. <laughs> Got the notifications. Yeah, cha -ching, dude, cha -ching. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. It makes you forget you have to fulfill it all. <laughs> yeah. Dude. So like, not only that, like, none of the founders lived anywhere near each other. Oh, man. My one partner, Ryan, one of my best friends, he was from Wisconsin. He was like our tech whiz. He was all the way out there. We had an 18-year-old at the time named Esma. She's a big fashion influencer still. She has her own brand, Crybaby. Um, she was basically like the model and taking all the images for us. She was in like upstate New York. We had uh, a, a high school teacher teaching business uh, in his late 30s, maybe early 40s at the time. He was in Connecticut. He had a wife and kids and the whole nine yeah. yards. Um, and then me, Jacob, and Johnny were chilling in Philly being goons in college. <laughs> so, you know, in that moment, we're like, okay, we got to figure <laughs> this out. Um, so everybody packed up their stuff. 
Johnny and Jacob actually ended up dropping out of college. I, I stuck around to, to do the back and forth and finish the degree because I my parents put a lot into getting me there and I wanted to make sure I did that for them. Um, but we dropped everything and we moved to Connecticut because that's where the partner with the family was. We didn't want to make him uproot his life. And we're like, let's just figure this out. So you guys all had Twitter accounts, right? That yep. was like the big thing. Everybody was contributing their Twitter accounts. Interesting. Now I didn't because I had just figured this out through Johnny and Jacob, but they kind of brought me in as like their Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. So I was like, tell me what you need, boys. Yeah, I'll yeah. get it Quick done. question though, yeah. to cut you off. How do you, how are people growing these Twitter accounts back in the day? So a lot of it is still very similar to what happens today, which is just like trading retweets, trading shares. Mm. Uh, a lot of people steal content from each other, right? So there's like a little bit of that back and forth too. Hey, you can take this post, we'll retweet you. Um, and knowing those people, that's that's the name of the game, right? Like back then we we're like, oh, we're the dark web of Twitter. But like really everybody caught on to this, just right? Just like yeah, random yeah. white guys. <laughs> Twitter it's just us, man. And like, dude, like don't even, you know, in retrospect, like, seeing how things happen today in society and social media, like the amount of chaos we could have caused with 50 yeah. accounts, nobody mm. knowing they're all owned, like that's some real powerful stuff. And people do that today still. So like, you know, we know this, but like everybody be aware that like everything on social media is rigged. Mm. Yeah. It's all, 100%. you know, it, it's all there to make a reaction, to get people to comment, to get people to share. Um, and a lot of times they're working together to just kind of, pump their own bags, which it is what it is. Yeah. Some people make really great organic content that knocks it out of the park. Um, but like today when I'm just scrolling on my feed, it's like, oh, I saw that video 10 times this week. What, yeah. what, what is going on? Yeah. Jeez. Right. So that was kind of like how it happened. Trading retweets, trading spots. Um, we had all these accounts. We went viral. We moved to Connecticut. That's where I left off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we were like, all right, uh, let's figure out how to print these. We met a local printer. His name was Jay and his wife. They had a small print shop. We're like, look, we're gonna need you to suspend all of your clients. We're gonna need you to bang out these 500 shirts uh, and we're gonna have to figure it out. So we had their office, we rented out two storage units right next door. And I think for like the next month, we did nothing but fold, roll and twine shirts, like nonstop. All the partners flew in. Hey, nice to meet you. Get to rolling. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that was it for like the well, first- Well, because you had never met each other probably. Never right? met each other. Oh, how, wow. how, did that, how did you even get to six, seven people that are all in different places somehow working together? Growing those thing? accounts. They, like they even are. the business professor had a, a Twitter account? He had a- He <laughs> <laughs> did, man. He had Interesting. A, and it was like a, a Jeep porn account. That was Interesting. It. A what porn? Jeep. Jeep porn? Yep. Like, so like, like Jeep cars. Like yeah, car. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was like, yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> Close-up shots of the tire, the back, yeah. and sitting on people, the- People love that. Yeah, they do. That they sense. do. Yeah. And I mean, everybody had their niche, right? And I think like the fact that they were all so diverse was really what helped us kind of catapult because it didn't look like a bunch of people were pulling the strings. It looked like these completely yeah, yeah. random accounts. What is up, New Money Talks fam? Super excited to hop on here and shout out our amazing sponsor, Melio. They're an amazing hassle-free solution for businesses to streamline payments and get paid quickly. We love these guys. They're super simple and easy to use. You could pay your vendors your way with either bank transfer or credit card. No setup fees and they even offer free ACH. Your security really matters to them. They're extremely secure. You can sync all your Melio accounts with all your accounting software that helps you save time and reduce errors. They're amazing because they go global. You can make international payments to over 80 plus countries. Jeez, these guys are amazing. You can use your mobile app to even do payments. Oh my gosh, literally do this on my phone. God, I love these guys. And also they work with thousands of businesses that already use them. 
So honestly, you could try for free. Melio, they're the go-to for all payments, international or domestic. We love them. And look today, go down below, click on the link to streamline all your business payments today. Go to go.melio.com slash NMT. If you haven't already, check these guys out. They're the best in the industry. Now, back to the podcast. That's where we're talking about elephant shirt. And yeah. I, you know, trending above the country music awards that night on Twitter was like, I was like, holy shit. That's wild. Nice. What is happening right now? Um, so yeah, I mean, like the next two months, it was print shirts, find blanks, print more shirts, uh, no paid marketing. We didn't do Facebook ads. It took us a couple months to get emails up and running. And we were just pumping from Twitter. Uh, fast forward a couple months, we had rented out like an abandoned car dealership. We put two automatic print presses in there with like eight arms. Is that the one that like the spin yeah. type of thing? Yeah. I've seen that before. Dude, I mean, yeah, yeah. we had a forklift drop it off. We had no idea how to get it off the truck. <laughs> it makes sense. There was like eight of us, like our buddy's dad, Ryan, the partner, his dad was like a roofer. So he had like a lot of experience with manual labor and uh, he like had to get a <laughs> forklift under there and like get get it off the truck and try to get it in the building. Like, it was, it was and those are not cheap. Those are like 20, 30,000. 30,000 a pop. Yeah. Yep. That was like the first big investment we made. Yeah. And they ran all day and all night. I mean, like wow. we, we would sit there and just like learn how to print and do the motions and have it go through. And then really quickly, we grew out of that building. We ran the building next door and that became our first fulfillment center. Um, and we just did that for probably the first year. I mean, it was build everything ourselves and, and just take a step back, right? Like none of us had experience in yeah. any of this, right? At all, just Twitter. So when the business started to happen, Nobody really knew like what is step one? Like what do we do to, to build a business? So like, you know, I was a business student. I show up. I have my how to build a business plan book. <laughs> I was like, yeah, let's put together a plan. They're like, no, 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 We're just going to figure this out. Yeah. So that's what we did. And in our heads, we were like, all right, the reason people don't build their own print shops, don't build their own teams, don't build their own fulfillment center must just be because they don't have money. That's Which, not the truth. Very <laughs> foolish assumption at the time. Like obviously outsourcing and getting these resources really helped for scale. But I, I am thankful we did what we did because it taught us like we built our own customer service team. We built our own fulfillment center. We built our own print shop. We went through the process of hiring all of these employees, building the HR platforms, like trying to do this all ourselves. And it did kind of teach us like what goes into making a full e-commerce business. I will say like later in the story, definitely was clear to me that all that should not have really gone the way it did. It would have been a lot easier to grow the brand, scale the brand, sell the brand if we didn't do that whole route. Um, however, you know, I'm thankful. It, it was a really yeah. good learning experience. And eventually, we'll fast forward like another year. The next jump we made, we actually ran out of space anywhere nearby in Connecticut. We had to have the state help us find a place that could fulfill all of our product, hold all of our inventory. Because at this point, how many orders are you guys doing type of thing? I mean, the first year we did 28 million. Damn. 28 crazy. million, no paid marketing. It was Dang. just like, we didn't, we, we didn't know what to do. We were at a point where like, if we put the logo on it, it was going to sell. She was like a million orders in like the first year. Yeah. Type of thing. Yeah. That's I, crazy. And, and like, you know. And you're 21. Yeah. Tw 21. <laughs> 21. All of us. I mean, the, the yeah. other partner is even younger. The, the teacher. The like, teacher's like, what the hell is going dude, on? Dude, he's like, I got these children here. And we're trying <laughs> to run this business. So, you know, that whole first year is incredible. And I guess before we get to like the growing pains, all that stuff, like an $800,000 donation year one. 
uh, to our charity, Save the Elephants. They're a good friends of ours. They're a subsidiary of the Wildlife Conservation Network. They're located in Kenya. Uh, they do a lot of community building and education around why elephants are important for the area, for the economy, for everybody. Um, and I remember too, like I called that charity at first. I was in, I was in a college class. I stepped out, I gave them a call. It's like, Hey, we have this company. We want to donate money to you. Can we use your name? And they're like, absolutely not. I'm sorry. <laughs> like we sure you have the best intentions, but like, we can't just give out our IP. Um, so we called them back a couple and say like, Hey, we have a $30,000 check. Does this <laughs> change the relationship at all? And they're like, come on now. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, that was so cool. And like the first year, um, it was, it was a really fun, like mission driven project. And like, we went to Kenya together as a founding team that first time, uh, we spent two weeks over there. We learned about everything they did. Um, and it was just, it was just eye-opening and magical, right? So like that was year one bliss, happiness, you know, trying to figure this out. Um, year two, year three, this is when we started to kind of learn and stumble. And, and well, what other brands out. were like popping off at that time? Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> no competitive analysis. Like, I will say in the beginning, we really tried to figure out IP and contracts and legal, and like, that shit's a black box, right? Like, yeah. everybody under the sun was starting a T-shirt brand with an animal on it that donated ten percent to net profits, right? Oh, I see. And, and like, in the early times, we felt defensive, and we were like, "Oh, we should like go after these guys or stop that." And that was, that was just silly, right? Like at the end of the day, people knocking off your idea is just like showing how powerful your idea is mm -hmm. and collabing with them more, maybe being more like upfront with that would have been a much easier experience than like trying to pay lawyers to send cease and desist and trying yeah. to come after people. Like, not, not, not even that though. I mean, like, uh, was this like Casper time? Yeah. Like it was like yeah, Casper, yeah, yeah. like it was like Dollar Shave Club was before this though, right? Dollar Shave Club was right after. Right like, after, boring. okay. Yeah, so it, it was like when e-com was It was like a hot e-com totally. time. Yeah. Yeah, Things yeah, were yeah. a lot easier back then. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the rate the sales were coming in, we just, we didn't have time to do analysis or anything else. It was like I was saying before the thing, I, I would spend most days renting a U-Haul truck, driving t-shirt suppliers, being like, can I buy all of your Gildan t-shirts? Uh, driving back and spending the night printing shirts. Like that Jeez. was the amount of thought we could do. And everything else was just like, keep the orders flying. In that first year, we had a moment where there was a thousand orders backlogged a hundred days plus. And customers wow. were like, we're not taking a refund. Get me my elephant shirt. They wow. wanted the shirt. They wanted man. the shirt, man. So we would, That's crazy. You guys never thought like, hey, can I make this in China and just like ship me a container of these shirts? Eventually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We, we get there for sure. So like... Year two, year three, we we move into this, it's hilarious, an aqua massage bed parlor. <laughs> yep. So we're splitting this warehouse where half of it is like these tubes people lie in and get shot with streams of water for nice. massages. And then the other half is us with like all these elephant teas and, and nonsense. <laughs> so like very funny dynamic. Um, we filled the whole place out. We had to do our own pallet racking. I mean, you're in the food yeah, yeah, business. That's not you fun. get that. It's not yeah, fun. Yeah. I mean, we're doing it manually. We're like trying to push these things <laughs> oh, up. Oh, man. I, I barely understand forklifts at this point. And uh, this was really when like the sales were still booming, but we weren't being intelligent about inventory planning. And inventory planning would be the gift that kept giving and kept kicking us in the nuts every other year consistently. Because when you're making that much money, like, your natural instinct is to expand and to go wider and to get more silhouettes and to get more bodies and to try new things.
but eventually, especially in apparel, like that shit catches up to you, right? Yeah. Like you're not going to sell out a hundred percent of everything you buy, mm-hmm. especially when you start shifting to overseas. So like, even before we went on all in with that, uh, before we started the company, we applied to be on Shark Tank. So we were like, oh yeah, we're going to go out there and pitch elephants or whatever. But we did so well that we were like, we are not giving away equity. Like, mm-hmm. let's just do this ourselves. Um, Damon John and his team actually reached out to us and they were like, hey, we have this massive supply chain. Like maybe we should talk. Um, and he ended up doing a lot of the supply chain for us. For oh, wow. Time. Yeah. So he would provide the blanks, the T's. We would go right through them and their team. Um, eventually, you know, they're called sharks for a reason. He's a good guy. He has a good heart, but like very expensive product, difficult feed times. Um, so that wasn't our long-term solution, but like that was the first thing that got us thinking about like inventory, where to source from, how to do all that stuff. Um, and, and, you know, Damon was a really funny guy. At that point, we had already received our first offer to sell. Um, so, I mean, I guess I could talk about that for a second. Uh, we were about a year into the business and we got a call from typical PE company. We didn't know any better. We went to New York, all six of us go. We go to this big formal meeting. They got suits and ties and everything. Um, You're wearing elephant shirts. <laughs> all of us. All of us. Like flip-flops <laughs> of the works, right? Yep. And these guys offered us $65 million to sell. And I remember at the time, I was in the minority here, but I was like, hear me out. We should probably sell. <laughs> Like, you know, so it's an elephant shirt. It's an elephant shirt. It's like three times revenue. It's like really appealing. They wanted to send in an executive team to help us scale. They were going to come in and do everything. But like, this is the first time that the six founders kind of started getting in the way of ourselves. People saw dollar signs. They were like, dude, if we got a $65 million offer now, we're going to get $100 million tomorrow and 200 the next day. That does not happen. So like... One piece of advice, uh, strike the iron while it's hot for the love of God. Cause like yeah. that, that was an eye-opening moment, but it did kind of give us this ego, right? So like one of the Damon meetings, just a funny story. We're in there. So you, you've met Damon John before? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, wow, that's pretty sick. Oh, great guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know how he feels about us exactly, but <laughs> there's a photo of us on Instagram too that's goofy. We're all wearing our elephant gear and Damon's there. But he invites us in, and he's like, hey, like come on in and let's talk about maybe me being a more official advisor, right? And this is the first story where I really realized we were way too high on our own supply. Like this is this is where we need to take a step back. But we go there and it's all six of us, right? Like part of it's like we want to meet mistake. David. That's, dude, <laughs> That's the first we mistake. We walk in there and he's like, I just met with Samsung yesterday <laughs> and they sent two people. Like, what are you guys yeah. doing? <laughs> and we laugh and we, whatever. And he's like, all right, like, you have this meeting, you have me here. Tell me what you want uh, what you want me to do for you guys, right? Like wh- what's the ask? And I'll never forget it. One of our partners puts his shoes on the table, crosses his legs and says, "Damon, what can you do for us, man?" <laughs> and the look on his face, I was like, "Oh my god. What did we just do?" Yeah. <laughs> He's like, "Dude, did you guys even talk about this? Like, do you have an ask? Do you know what you want from me?" And we're all just kind of look at each other. And like, I was the designated note taker. Thank God. So I'm sitting there like, "Oh my god." And, you know, long story short, we don't end up taking a deal with him. We end up leaving. He's like, "You know, we'll keep doing supply chain. Call me if you need me." But like, that was when I started to see issues were coming, right? Like we just thought 
this was going to go on forever. We were going to be able to keep doing this. Why have any concern? Right. So needless to say, we did not get another $65 million offer. Yeah. Um, but we kept doing the same amount of revenue. Right. So in our heads, we didn't see any issue. We didn't like forecast a problem. We just kept buying. Um, and eventually, like we got to this point where the six founders could just not get out of each other's way. Right. Like when we started the company, no operating agreement. Uh, no assigned roles. People were oh, like, yeah. yo, dibs, I'm going to do that job. Yeah. Um, and that just kind of leads to, you know, people's feelings getting hurt. People feeling like, you know, they're not being taken seriously or like. There's too many chefs in the kitchen. Without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. You know, so like at that point, people started to step away. We decided like, hey, um, one of our partners, you know, he really seems passionate. Let's let him be the CEO. He can make the shots and we'll just support. Right. Uh, that's when we moved to Rhode Island. We had the mayor come and like open up this big facility for us. Uh, it was like the biggest business in Rhode Island for oh, how, wow. however long. Why'd you guys pick Rhode Island? Uh, it, we were right on the border of Connecticut and Rhode Island. Okay, got it. And that was the biggest spot we could find. Mm -hmm. And we were still in like this, like let's expand our balls off phase, right? So I think it was like forty-five to sixty thousand square feet. That's still nice. where our three PL is today. Wow. Um, Westerly, Rhode Island, small little beach town. They loved you in that town. They loved us, man. <laughs> we knew every single person. I had been to every restaurant like a dozen yeah. times. And like, it was also kind of humbling too, right? Cause like you're in New York, you're, you're in the hustle and the bustle. You're mm -hmm. like, but like out there it's quiet. And like, you just have your work. There's not really like party scene. There's nothing really else to do. So like you really hone in and try to just execute. And like at this time, um, I also, with one of my partners, Rye, we were like, look, the CEO's hiring all these people, these experienced people, which we'll get to, uh, and trying to scale up and grow the infrastructure and stuff. Me and my one partner were like, hey, we still have these Twitter accounts. So why don't we raise some money and make a media agency? And basically we were like, we'll do like a little mini Shark Tank, you know? We'll hear yeah. people out. We like their product. We'll take some equity. We'll blow them up online. On Twitter. What's up, New Money Talks fam? Quick one for our sponsors over at PrimeCord. If you've ever wanted to build your own e-commerce business, but you haven't gotten started yet, you're probably just overwhelmed with the amount of information that's out there with people telling you what to do. But the guys in PrimeCord, Andrew and Kevin, know what they're doing. They're multi-seven-figure dropshippers that have been doing this for years. They've done millions and millions of dollars in sales profitably. And in this Discord coaching community, they teach you everything that you need to know to launch and to scale your own e-commerce business. And they break it down in a way that's very simple and easy to understand, which is best of all, because there's a lot of information out there, a lot of misinformation from people that are teaching the wrong things and don't even do it themselves. These guys are the real deal. So if you want to learn more about what it is that they do about the coaching community, have a group of people who are all growing together and holding each other accountable to hitting certain goals or to learning new things, then definitely check out Prime Cord. We're going to have the link somewhere in the description of this video. Now back to the podcast. Yeah. We'll, we'll print some money together, yeah. right? Um, and that was interesting. I mean, we'll step away from Ivory. I'll just tell that story really quick. Uh, we raised... $300,000, I think, at a 12 million valuation. For Twitter accounts. For Twitter accounts. Nice. Uh, and we owned media. Yeah, owned media. And we like doubled up. So we had 50 million followers, give or take. Really? So, so how do you, I'm curious, how do you spend the money to grow? Like, so the, the, the money was asset allocation. Yeah, got we were it, just buying it. accounts. Makes right? sense. Yeah. From people we knew. And we we're like, hey, you know, we'll give you a rev share on the future products we push through your network, yada, yada, yada. 
and it was fun and it was really eye-opening but like I, I i learned some shit here right so like we're probably 2016 now uh 2017 um you know we're in, we're in the political campaigns all that type of nonsense we're at the russian fake troll bots we're at the fake news starting to be referenced for the first yeah, time yeah. um and all of a sudden twitter decides we're purging bots so the way they did that was if X number of accounts retweet something within X time frame, that must mean they're fake because mm -hmm. technically, according to the terms of service for everybody out there, this is for every social media platform. You're not allowed to buy and sell accounts. That is not okay. You're also not supposed to have multiple accounts. So oh, interesting. right. Yeah. Needless to say, one night we're going through, we're doing our campaign. Got all of our accounts lined up. We hit the retweet button. They all retweet the content. And just like that, all 50 million are banned. Wow. No appeal, no human to talk to, no reasoning to why this happened. They were just gone. So for me, like that was a huge, like kick in the balls, eye opener moment. Never put all your eggs in one basket. Never let a platform be the key to your success. Like, I mean, that's the biggest takeaway for me, right? Like yeah. being being so locked into one platform, no matter how good it is for you, you never know when they're going to make that change. And like between now and then, Instagram's done similar things. Mm -hmm. Even TikTok has done similar things yeah. to some extent. Um, and that will that will keep happening. So like that was that was a huge lesson for me. It was a big humbling moment because like I, I I thought at that point we were going to do ten Iriellas, we were going to sell them all, yeah. you know. Um, so, so yeah, that was like the end of our Twitter days at that point. And that was also when it was like no more free marketing. Right. So it's like time to look at paid ads, time to look at email, it's a whole new world. Wow. time to go be a real econ business person. <laughs> so like that was a huge, you know, mind shift for us. Cause we're three years in now. We don't, we don't know any better. Um, and that, and that was like a big transition point. So. So that little side chapter was happening. And at the same time with Ivriella, we're bringing in all these experienced people from big companies. And you're spending money on them though. Spending hand yeah. over. Fist. They're expensive. They're not cheap. Of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And like, you know, the CEO, great heart, love the kid, great friend. But like, he just didn't want to think about it. Right. Like we got a basketball hoop in the warehouse. Why not? Why not? Yeah. He's, he's got like, uh, at the time the one wheel came out, it was like this giant yeah. hoverboard wheel skateboard thing. He's like zooming it. through the warehouse <laughs> with his like silk pajamas on. It's a business expense. Exactly. Exactly. So like it really got to this point where we could start to see the writing on the walls. Uh, one of our founders was just like trying to buy product left and right. He was like, look, I'll give him credit. He had some really genius moves. Like, this one t-shirt, I I was so against this t-shirt. It was a plain elephant t-shirt, as we do, uh, with the logo on the front. But the bottom half was blue and the top half was red. And this broke my brain. Like a tie-dye shirt split with two colors. Like I was like, nobody's going to buy this. That became yeah. a pretty known thing. It was now. our number yeah. one selling shirt yeah, for yeah, like yeah, a yeah. year. And you're like, what the hell? We're like, I was like, all right, I'm never speaking to product again. <laughs> you got yeah. this. Um, but we did a lot of that, a lot of trial and error. And then like, they didn't start hitting as much as that did, right? Like we tried to get like, uh, you guys remember like jeggings? Yeah, I yeah. remember jeggings. Yeah. Yeah. That did not work out well. <laughs> uh, we tried to go like uh, athletic clothing. That didn't really go well. Um, we tried to do swimsuits early on. That was that was a bit of a clusterfuck too. Yeah. So like we really kind of learned stick, stick to the bread and butter. And that was a painful lesson. And we burned a lot of cash. We burned a lot of profit. 
And then we just started stacking dead inventory. And that is like where e-com brands go to die. Yeah. Um, fortunately, while we're doing this, we're also starting to get into wholesale. Wholesale clients are picking us up. Dillard's, Dick's Sporting Goods, Paper Store, Vonmar. So you're sending them all the overstock inventory? <laughs> <laughs> we're doing our best to clear out our warehouse and get that yeah. product yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. So um, it helped, right? But like it did get us into this position eventually where, you know, we had to kind of start to think about what was next. Um, and unfortunately, like what I had started to notice was we weren't really focusing on product and marketing anymore. We were focusing on logistics. Hmm. How fast does it take to get an order out? How much money can we save if we cut this spot or add yeah, another pick packer here? Like important stuff, but it's not our business, right? And like that became the focus for so long where we were like, we got it. We got to get out of here. We got to get out of the warehouse because the warehouse is taking away from everything else. Um, so eventually at that point, we opened up an office in Manhattan. We were on like 37th street near Bryant park. My partner, Ryan and I moved there. We brought our product team and our marketing team. And at that point we really just tried to keep the two things separate. Right. So this was four years after being in the Northeast isolated by myself, you know, at the, living at this warehouse, like yeah. we had, we had 14 people living in the same house the first year we launched. Jeez. It was like wow. a little mini frat house. Uh, my poor fiance, she was there. She was one of two girls in the house. Um, but fortunately for her, she was the uh, head product designer. So she actually made every single product we've ever sold. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Alongside like one or two other designers who came in over the years. So it was just this like really goofy kid environment. We were all having so much fun. But we hit that point where it was like, it's time to grow up. Maybe it's time to professionalize a little bit. Let's let's separate from the 3PL and let's move on. Um, and that really was like the next phase, right? Like we were trying to talk to professional recruiters, um, these big agencies with top tier talent. We were like interviewing people to come be our CEO who were like uh, in charge of Kim K's brand. Jeez. You know, like these massive people. And I'm sitting here like 20 some years old. <laughs> Uh, they're like, I'm like, tell me why you think you should work for our company. Yeah, and I'm like, okay. I'm like, all sounds right. Sounds like that's a good this answer. Is, this yeah. is a good pitch, yeah. you know? So that one all sounded good. They all sounded incredible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, they're supposed to. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Uh, but they all have a pretty big price tag attached. Right? Oh, of course. Yeah. So, you know, give or take two months of us never being able to decide on somebody because, you know, six people picking a CEO, it's just impossible. Yeah. Um, we did finally land on one. And, you know, she was a super friendly woman. She really seemed to get the pitch. She wanted to grow the business and sell it. She saw the value of the elephants, which like for me was still a big thing. Um, I, I have, uh, I mentioned earlier too, like collectively two and a half months in Kenya at this point, wow. uh, flying over there, um, helping them out on the ground, living at the research camp. I mean, they also kind of treat it like a bit of a party, which is really nice. You know, yeah. you go there, you drink, you hang out with elephants. It's, it's a good time. Um, but it's also like a good way to get content and stuff like that. So like I, I was super into the charity. I was super into the marketing, um, but it was time, it was time to professionalize. So we're, we're at this office and she starts to recruit her team, right? Because she's like, all right, you, you 20 some year olds are cute, but like, yeah. we should bring in some real people, some real people. Yeah. Um, but what I noticed at that stage was like, that was really where I learned that the more experience you have doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to bring value to the table or even worse, that you're gonna do work yourself. 
a lot of those high price tag people are used to having teams of 20, 30 people under them. Yeah. So when you ask them to like, hey, can you like pull up the P&L and like show me a forecast of what you expect? And they look at you like you have three heads. You're like, like I oh, that's, I don't do that. That's bad. That's yeah, not yeah, good. Yeah, like yeah. you're the yeah. you're the CEO. You should know the revenue targets and how profitable yeah. we are right now. Um, and that that kind of went on for a while, right? Because like as as young founders who had kind of seen where we got into and like still $20 million a year, all this money, all this stuff. But you're seeing these people come in and not really get the business, not knowing how to understand it. They're all asking for like, you know, minimum 200K salary. Yeah. They want their bonuses. They want benefits, their equity. Yeah, they yeah. want their benefits. They want all this stuff. And at a certain point, you know, it was a very hard moment for us, but we ended up having to, to get rid of them. Um, and like clear house. And that was like probably the biggest like big boy moment I remember us having to go through because it was like, you know, you guys are awesome. You have way more experience than us. And like, we're, we're super thankful, but like you put us in a position now where we have more dead stock than we've ever had, more debt than we've ever had. The revenue is still coming in, but it's not going up. And wholesale, you know, it's great no hate on the retailers, but like that's an entirely different game. And that was slowly starting to become 50-50 of our e-com revenue, right? So e-com is where you print money, wholesale is not. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, I'm yeah. sure you guys are very familiar with yeah, that. Yeah, net 90, yeah, net yeah. 180, whatever the Dude. hell it is, yeah, yeah. And then you gotta order the inventory. You gotta wait for the shipments to yeah, come Yeah, 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 yeah. Then you gotta buy it back sometimes too. <laughs> exactly right. And yeah. then, you know, maybe you decided to go buy a boat and now it's two weeks late because there was a storm and your your boat's missing, right? Your boat's missing. <laughs> <laughs> or, or uh, you know, somebody decides, ah, screw it. Like we have to get here by this deadline. Let's just get air freight. Without understanding, oh, now we're not Boss. profitable yeah. on a single product now, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, by this point, like we were understanding that there's all these other elements. In, in e-commerce, how are you guys getting sales at this point? Uh, paid ads, doing the best we can. Oh, so you're doing like Facebook, Instagram, stuff yeah, like that? Yeah. Okay. So fortunately for us, like we were like 70% retention. Oh, wow. So mm. a people, lot- People were coming back to buy uh, elephant t-shirts? People would buy them all year round, man. Our product, wow. like the best part about our product was like every time there was a holiday, you could like, dude, I remember the pumpkin elephant on Halloween. <laughs> wow. Thousands of them just <laughs> off the shelf immediately. Like that was our bread and butter. People that knew the brand, knew the cause and wanted to keep coming back and supporting. Like, you know, we, we had a really, really reliable customer there. So you guys have like a million followers on Instagram too. One, yeah, a million on Instagram now. Um, I mean, at one stage during all those headaches, uh, I was doing uh, TikTok and we went from like zero to 400,000 and like, Two months. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, TikTok still. Yeah. Good stuff. The place to be to go viral for sure. Um, just working with creators, seeding product. I mean, a good thing about us too is like, if a creator receives our package, it's not like they're just pushing a brand; they're pushing a mission, right? That's so true. Like the amount of discounted marketing dollars we would get on all of that was incredible because people were like, I got a good cause to talk about. I got a charity to put to my name now. This is a big brand; they're going to share my content. So like. Most of that was all free. That's true. Yeah. And that was super, super great for marketing. The email was super great. I made a joke earlier, but like, I do still think Facebook ads, if that is what you're relying on to grow your business, you're kind of in trouble, right? Like yeah. it's a losing game. Um, you know, we're in these like founder communities and stuff. Like how many times do you see people being like, 
The ROAS is down again. Yeah, I've my tested... CPA is double what it was pre-iOS. Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And that's not going to get any better, yeah. right? Like Facebook in the society we're in today, Facebook needs to keep growing to be mm -hmm. considered valuable. So they're going to keep squeezing their margins everywhere they can. Um, and that was, that's a whole other thing we'll get to at the end of our, our journey. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, so that was primarily where we were doing marketing. TikTok was huge. Um, Ecom was still busing. Wait, what years are we talking right now? Uh, I guess at this point, what year is it now? It's 2023. 23. Probably 2019. Yeah. 2019, 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right around that. So it's like COVID type of stuff. Time. Yeah. So we we moved to New York right uh, before COVID, a couple months before Got COVID. It. Yeah. Oh, it's a great time to move to New York. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It helped us focus. I'll give it that. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. Uh, but and I did like uh, three years in Hoboken, and now I'm nice. year yeah. two in New York. Okay. So you know the commute, the the travel, all that stuff was great. You love Jersey, gotta love Jersey. Yeah, hey, <laughs> I uh, I spent a lot of my summers as a kid at Ocean City, New Jersey. Okay, so, yeah. yeah, that was my my family beach time. Um, but yeah, so ecom e wholesale about fifty fifty at that point. Um, we're bringing in some bigger customers, and even to today, uh, Kohl's is like our biggest wholesale partner. Nice, we do. Uh, a few million with them a year right now. We're still growing. They love the brand. Um, I, I don't. Are Coles around here for you guys? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's like a Marshalls type of thing. Yeah, Kohl's yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of people don't recognize the name. Actually, I don't know. a lot in yeah. like malls. Yeah, exactly. It's like your typical discount yep. store, yeah. right? Um, somewhere like near a Target or something. Target's like. What's up, New Money Talks fam? Have you ever wanted a personal sales force for your e-commerce brand? If so, you probably haven't heard of the new kid on the block, Feel.Tech. Feel is an e-commerce selling solution for D2C brands that want to provide interactive purchase experiences to their customers and streamline the actual sales cycle of a buyer. With AI-driven product recommendations, try-before-you-buy features, and live assistance and support, Fieldtech users often see a substantial lift in their customer AOV, a decrease in their acquisition costs, and an improvement in their conversion rate. Imagine you're buying a new laptop and Apple offered a virtual live experience in which they can demo the product for you, show you all of the specs and features that you want, and answer all of your questions simultaneously. Not only would that probably increase your likelihood of buying, but it'll also actively decrease the amount of customer concerns that Apple is now gonna receive. Now you're probably thinking with a solution that's this good, probably costs a lot of money. Wrong. Fieldtech actually only charges a percentage of the new sales that they bring you that you wouldn't have otherwise gotten without them. So if you run a brand that could use a virtual sales force or that wants to offer virtual sales experiences to their customers, then check out the link below this video or visit feel.tech. And as always, make sure to mention that New Money Talks sent you so you can get that New Money Talks white glove onboarding experience. Now let's get back to the podcast. The gold standard. But, yeah. um, and that's kind of where things are at today. It's like a good split between the two. Um, any questions before we start talking about? Jeez. Plenty. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm well, sure. I was, well, I wanted to start with like the, the evolution of your uh, product SKUs, right? Because sure. obviously at the beginning it was just one main product. Five, five. five colorways with five different patterns on the back, but one t-shirt, one body. And what did that evolve into and in what time span? Yeah, so early on, I think we would probably double up to maybe like 12 SKUs in that first year. Um, we did a lot of like the seasonality stuff I kind of referenced where yeah. we would like pull something down. Because it was all like kind of made to order, which was the beauty of that it. Is at part. any moment, if you exactly. had a new idea, you can execute. So you have it. every size. Yeah. Top oh, to yeah. bottom. Uh, yeah. Double XL to triple XL. Yeah, man. I mean, those early years, we were just like stacking the t-shirts and piles, yeah. grabbing one, rolling it, went right out the door. Yeah, so, yeah. Like there was no inventory issues. There was no any 
uh, thing like that because the product listing was so tight. Yeah. And to anybody today, keep it that way. Like yep. that is that was where things went went bad. We would do like you know, dozens of hoodies, zip up hoodies, pullover Too hoodies, much. crew necks. Yeah, and especially when you start going into things that aren't your bread and butter, like mm-hmm. the athletic wear was a big one, right? Yeah. Like trying to get the right material and trying to compete with Lululemon's. Yeah. Like Good luck. Right. It's yeah, just yeah, not, yeah, yeah. it wasn't our, uh, it wasn't what we were known for. And even like in the future, the CEO that came on, she was like, we're going to go high fashion New York. Ah. We're going to do dresses. We're going to be the professional workplace attire. I'm like, lady, we're doing t-shirts and hoodies. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you? They're like gilded white t-shirts. Yeah, yeah literally. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's basically where that went. And today, you know, I, I'm trying to contract as much as possible. There was a point where, and still kind of is, we had a lot of people requesting charities for us to work with, different causes. And, like, that was a really good way to bring in new customers. Okay. Right? So, like, every October, we do Breast Cancer Awareness Month. We do a pink tee with the ribbons and we donate $20,000 based on sales, whatever, to a breast cancer charity. Huge way to bring in a lot of people. Those people buy that shirt for the first time and now they're lifetime customers. They come back every year for the same calls. Interesting. Um, So that was like a lot of our SKU expansion and that worked really well. I highly recommend- Like like lead magnet products. Yeah, yeah. And and like you're doing a good cause attached to it too. People that believe in that cause are usually ride or die when people support it. Yeah. So, you know, we really tried to be like the everything charity for a little bit there and just like really go where we could. Um, but it was the bodies, it was the finished products. Like when you're buying fully finished stuff that we weren't printing in house, once we started losing the flexibility of what we're printing, that was when the products. Wait, so, so why did you make that switch though? Like, I thinking about it, it's like oh it's easier just to buy from china blah, blah blah than to make it but then you have the bad piece of it well we had we had more demand than we could keep up with with our shots so you just couldn't print these things fast enough we had, we had these poor guys doing like 24-hour shifts yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. know so it was like we got to figure out what's next and, and we're still drinking the kool-aid of like oh we're gonna you know keep growing yeah we're yeah, gonna yeah, hit 50 yeah. million next yeah. year like, do you ever think yeah. to like make stores or any stuff like that like retail yeah. stores yeah, yeah yeah we did our uh flagship store in mystic connecticut um, it shut down a little bit after the acquisition, which, you know, we can talk about, but, um, you know, for me, like retail is tough. Everybody says that, but it is a good opportunity to make a brand presence and like a footprint, right? We were in Mystic, Connecticut. I don't know if you guys have heard about that. No. Uh, it's like a really big vacation spot in Connecticut. Like okay. Historic Mystic. They have like a drawbridge yeah. and all this stuff. But we were like right on the main line and that store did 600K plus a year. Oh, wow. I mean, it was pumping. Yeah. Um, so I, I know like Cuts Clothing just opened up a like yeah. Yeah, store yeah, in yeah, New yeah. York. So it's like maybe people were thinking about that like to make stores. I feel like that, that's just cool even for your website, for your ads because if you exactly have a physical right. location, regardless of how well that's doing, they it makes you look like you're a bigger brand. Yeah. And that's why we did it, right? And and I do, I do value that. I think it's really important. You just got to be careful. It's when people are like, I'm going to roll out a dozen stores this year that's when i'm like i'm curious how much does it even cost to put up though like a store like that uh i mean you're supplying the own inventory for like the merchandising you know maybe you're paying somebody a couple thousand dollars to help like interior design uh the rent is sub 10k a month you know so like all in it's not that bad it's not a massive thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no yeah, and yeah. like you know, a couple employees two employees maybe yeah. a third if you really have a lot of traffic um, I think the problem is more when people, uh, one, expand too fast, obviously, because like you can't do real-time analytics of how your store is doing if you're opening 10 at a time. That's true. You just don't have the attention to detail. You're just looking at numbers and not really understanding what's working and what's not. Um, so so for us, like 
it worked out really well. And I know that doesn't go that way with everybody. We thought about expanding into other stores, but I think the sweet spot for that too was like, we were a Connecticut brand. Like everybody mm-hmm. talked about us. So we had that network effect. We had that word of mouth and it made a lot of sense. The brand also lends itself well to like, um, you know, kind of the Vineyard Vines model where yeah. it's like, you see, yeah. you see the elephant and then it's like, oh, Martha's Vineyard or you know, uh, Lake Como or, you know, yeah. whatever you want to do. Yeah, it's yeah. like Napa a little Valley, whatever, vacation like teams, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So like we had a lot of mom and pops buying us for that. And that was the model we did there. So it was all like Mystic Connecticut. It's like an elephant yeah. with a lobster on it, like stuff like that, <laughs> yeah. you know? Uh, but yeah, that was like our retail experience. So like you can get a similar effect to just doing like a pop-up shop, yeah. you know, and just like yeah, yeah. make that almost feel like a brick and mortar chain. Yeah. But you get a shit ton of content there and you get a similar benefit to it. As opposed to having to put, you know, the totally. ten thousand a month forever. We did a pop up in uh, New York a couple of years in uh, with Lord and Taylor mm-hmm. before they went under. So that was good. That was a good experience. Yeah. We also did a pop up in New York where we uh, said everybody come meet us up in this location, and you guys have probably seen the recent stuff like the PS Five giveaway and uh-huh. mm-hmm. madness, like. We kind of caused a mini version of that. Wow. And, that, and we were like, maybe we shouldn't do this anymore. Because <laughs> we literally were just like on social, we're going to give away 200 shirts. Just yeah. showed up. People showed up from, somebody drove six hours wow. to come get a free tea. Did and, you have a tea? Oh, yes. Yeah, he's got <laughs> yeah, a tea. Yeah. I had my backpack, the same backpack I still carry around, like stuffed with t-shirts. And yeah. I was like, I'm not giving any of these out till I find the diehard fan. Yeah. No, it's, it's always crazy because like all this stuff's happening online. So like totally. you're like, oh, 100,000 views. Like, ha ha. It's, like, it's not that so many. hard to see, them in person. see that in person. If people show up, you're like, like I, I know Nelk does this a lot because they have yeah. like a happy dad popping up everywhere. Totally. We went to one happy dad opening in like New Jersey, maybe like two years ago at a liquor store, random liquor store in New Jersey. There's like 500 people show up. Dude. Yeah. yeah. It's I mean, like crazy. And that is also a good way to get to know your customers and yeah. what's actually going on because online data analytics is like fun and like whatever, but like a lot of times it's bullshit, right? Like we would use data enrichment companies every now and then to come in and like take a look at stuff. Yeah. I remember one of them, like they put together this massive PDF and it's like page one. Like, okay, so like 70% of your customers are male. I'm like, there's no way. We sell women's clothing, <laughs> yeah. dude. Like, I'm like, did you not check that the credit cards were probably their fathers? Like, yeah. did, we not, did we not connect Father, with Father, boyfriend, there? uncle. I was yeah. like, what? Okay. Oh, because so. they're like, oh, everyone buys a man. But it's like, well, exactly obviously. But it's like women's clothing. small size. Like, yeah. So, like, yeah. I really do value the in-person stuff because yeah. you get to see that. One thing I forgot to mention, um, the huge benefit of the warehouse, we would do annual warehouse sales. So, like, you know, all of our last year's product on super discount, whatever, we would have... I think one year we had like over a thousand people show up Damn. and just hours waiting in front of the building to come in through our warehouse and go pick stuff out of boxes. Wow. That's nuts. But we would sit there right at the front of the line and I'd say hi to almost everybody that came in and I'd look around at what they're doing and why do you like the brand? Why are you here? Um, and that type of market research, I think, goes a long way. So yeah. like for retail, that's huge focus group, pop up, same thing. Yeah. Um, really important to like you know it's like the touch grass joke but like go, go talk to your customers you know like get out of your like little e-com bubble every once in a while yeah, yeah, yeah. and go do that get off e-com twitter yeah, yeah well, exactly, exactly. We, we we do that with the brands i have a marketing agency so all the brands we work with like one of the first emails that we do is just a survey and it's like five questions it's like how's your experience with shipping how is it navigating the website yeah. how is it with product quality etc and the amount of people that will submit that feedback for like a 10% discount code is astronomical. It's and huge. then that gives you all the data that you need 
to know what to do to improve the brand. Could not yeah. agree more, man. I mean, as much as you can take from your customers, like you got to be careful on like specific product requests and like things like that. But like if 80% of your customers are telling you that like you have an issue with your shipping process, yeah. go do something about it. Yeah. yeah. You know? For so sure. yeah, definitely sure. a good move on your part. Sorry to ask you this, but I got to ask this. Are you kicking yourself if you guys didn't take that 65 million? <laughs> I mean, look, man, I've had eight years to, uh, to just do a hundred. Right. So it was like 65. We got a 45. We got a 30. We had like another 35 at one point. Jeez. Uh, we said no to all of them. You know, like yeah. the people just couldn't get out of their own way. They couldn't, I think part of it too is like when your entire identity is this crazy success story, it's really hard to be like, I'm going to hand this to somebody else and leave. So you're selling yourself. Yeah. And like, they didn't, they didn't know what they were going to do with their lives after doing that exit. Like, yeah. I, I feel like a big learning is like, don't do business with six people either. Oh, oh like it's hard to do it with two people. With, with two people. Like we, we, we both have company that service-based companies where we have co-founders that like, you know, ride or die, but every other day you want to rip their heads totally, off. Totally, <laughs> totally. I mean, I tell people this and like when I'm looking at clients now and, and have a conversation, it's like, if the foundation and the structure of the business is not crystal clear up front, don't touch it. It's not yeah. worth it because you're just going to walk into problems down the road. Well, walk me through what you mean by crystal clear though. Okay, so like- Because like people, actually, I feel like this yeah. is a big thing. People try to launch a new company. They're like, well, this is a great idea. Let me launch it. But then if you like have done business for you, you're like, wait, let me think about like, boom, 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 yeah, boom. Like, what's, like, what's your checklist look like? There's a middle of the road, right? It's not the young 21 year old Richard with the how to build a business. No, plan of course. Like, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. extreme. But like at the bare minimum, like who's in charge of what, who has voting rights, uh, who is going to like be taking point on financing and capital. Are we going to try to raise money? Are we self-funding? Who is our target demo? Like, if you can't even get on the same page with who you're marketing your product to, yeah, which we were not like at all, like it's really hard. And we are the 1% of people that got so lucky with that viral launch that like we just kept failing forward. Yeah. But like you got to try to have at least the, the basics of the business and your responsibility and what you're signing up for before getting in with somebody because you just don't So know. in reality, you guys were literally just sitting on your phone retweeting tweets and you get sales. Totally. That's literally, that was and little, it's like, that we got to figure it out now. Yeah. I mean, dude, like just a couple hundred thousand dollars rolling in on your phone over a few days. Like that is a slap in the face. Like, yeah. Yeah. We are like, we got to take this seriously. We got to go figure all this stuff out. And like, you know, a lot of it was our lack of experience short. Like I was the only business student, you know? And like, I'm not saying I had like business And that doesn't even knowledge. mean much. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly <laughs> right. Exactly yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Basics of accounting, seriously, contracts, like all that type of stuff. Like we just had to taxes, it out lawyers, all this stuff. My God, yeah. Oh, I just want to ask you about sales tax. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, back then too, like there weren't even these like systems, like you know, Alavera and, yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like they do it all for you. Like old school accounting firms coming in, spending days in our conference room with us, going through what state, so what, every state, know? every county, every this, dude. every that. And like yeah, back yeah. then, like you know, knock on wood, we don't get in trouble, but like. We had countless, like, because he was a high school teacher. Our employees were all these, like, just young kids, yeah. right? So we had we had to figure that out. Like, what what does that HR process look like? Yeah. Buying lunches with just stacks of cash for everybody. Like, like is this okay? Like, yeah, who we even allow, knows? You know, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And, no, and, you know, we've fixed all of that since then, of course, and went through the learnings. But, like, yeah, back then, like, it was tough. It was really tough. And I do not envy the accountants that tried to work on our company. We did rotate an accountant every year because wow, they were yeah. like, this is exhausting. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, <laughs> yeah, good luck. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of that, we just had to figure out ourselves. Definitely. Have you seen any other brands like have this type of success so quick? Like, that's like young founders have this type of success. Very few. Like Very few. Um, young founders, especially not so much I, personally. Um, but also like, keep in mind, I, I've been a little bit out of like the tracking the e-commerce game for like at least a year now. So I'm probably not on the cutting edge of who's doing what today. Um, but back then there was, there was a few small successes. Like, like you said, Dollar Shave Club was one we were like constantly watch and try to figure out their marketing tactics and how they were making things viral. Uh, Casper mattress was huge. That was like the first come in the box mattress. Literally. Would unroll. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know, anybody that finds themselves in the same shoes, I would just say like, take a second to breathe and like, just try to figure out the basics. Like I, I'm all for figuring out as you go, but then you wake up one day and you have a 60,000 square foot warehouse and you're like, yeah. how did this get here? Why do I have three automatic print pressing machines? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, so that was the big takeaway there for structure and foundation. Jeez, I don't even know where to go with this. Cause like the story was just like, boom, man. Dude, dude. I mean, yeah, it, it's have, have you told the story before? A few times. A couple times. Yeah. Over yeah, the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The beats change a little bit here no, and there. For sure. What lessons hit me in the face most recently. Yeah. Um, but like another thing I, I you know, I'll, I'll hit on for you guys is like, while this was happening with six founders, like I definitely always had a feeling in the back of my head, like I should be doing something else and keep doing more things on the side. What do you, what do you mean by so, that? So like we had all this infrastructure, right? And the company was going so well, but there was so much internal, like back and forth. I was like, look, I'm going to take this momentum and start a side hustle. So like okay. the first yeah. one was uh, the agency I was telling you guys about, which was like a huge kick in the nuts. Uh, after that, it was like, all right, uh, cannabis is on the trend. Let's do a CBD company. So we all know how that went, right? <laughs> and, uh, and that brand still exists. It's like doing a quarter million a year, half a million a year. Um, but you know, it was really hard to hit that magic again, even with the experience we had. Uh, I even tried, and this is probably my most costly dumb ass mistake I've ever made. Uh, Pokemon Go. We all remember Pokemon yeah, Go. Yeah. I was like, dude, I'm going to copy Pokemon Go and I'm going to make a new app. We were like, we're going to go rescue uh, lost animals in the wild. We're going to bring them to an orphanage. We're going to find them homes. We're going to pay you out a coin. This was like pre-crypto. So like it wasn't like a Web3 yeah. thing. But like, I was like, how hard could this be? You know, I'm going to hire some devs. We're going to put it all together. Like whatever. I mean, dude, I've never lit six figures on fire faster in oh, my geez. life like yeah. you know i thought like if i just do all these things on the side it's all just going to kind of fall into my lap um and development app work that shit's like very difficult especially outsourcing yeah. teams so like th there's just another example of a lesson of like you know try to focus on what you're doing and don't go too don't go too wide don't make yeah. that mistake that like i can just do anything um because it's really important you got to keep your eye on the ball for most sure. definitely most definitely Right now in like the current world that we're in of e-commerce, how do you see a brand going off the ground like this? Yeah. Is, it, is it possible? I think it's possible. I think a lot of the same things we did back in the day are still relevant. It's like our, Twitter you're saying? Uh, X, man, of X, course. X, sorry, X. Uh, but it's I like think content like, and building yeah. hype. I mean, TikTok is now the new place for that. X is still, I can't believe I just called it X. <laughs> oh my God. Twitter is still uh, interesting, but like, are you guys on Twitter much nowadays? I believe, yeah. yeah. Really. It's the D2C was too much. Yeah, it's, it's, it's annoying. And yeah. I mean, uh, fucking Elon, you know, Mr. thinks everything he touches is gold, just 
lit that thing on fire. Everything you see on that app is like somebody fighting each other, some, yeah. some terrible controversial shit. It's like, I would not use that unless like you want to lean into the dark side of humanity and yeah. try to take advantage of that <laughs> stuff. Uh, TikTok for me, I think is the place to be. Everybody's so supportive. Everybody loves you. They want to like ah. cheer up. <laughs> <laughs> In comparison to Facebook and Instagram, That's true. I at least feel like it's a happier place. Um, I would I would argue that Instagram and Facebook I've seen happier than than TikTok, but it depends on the content. Sure, like if it's a brand that's has a good mission behind it, then it's all like great things. Yeah, that's true. If it's a yeah. brand that maybe doesn't have as great of an identity, or it's just like a generic product, then it's just people talking shit all day long. And but that's, that still yeah. helps the vi the virality and totally. You know? Yeah, you got to lean into the shit talking for sure to get those impressions. For sure. But, I'm yeah. just curious, like like people that you're advising. I tend you do a lot of advising and like stuff like yeah. that, consulting. Like, what do you tell people to even do? Yeah. So a lot of it comes to like figuring out what the core offering is of your business. Right. And then just like doubling down. So like in that entire eight year story, like it took six years to realize however many years, the best thing we do is make comfortable, cute clothing that has elephants on them and that's it. Right. And just yeah. like focus on the t-shirts, focus on like lounging in your house and being happy and building a community around that core. So, you know, it's like, what is your product? Who are the people that are going to use it? Who are the creators in the space that you can get behind? And then, you know, on the side, like what parody content can you spin up that will be a funnel for that company, mm. right? So like now there's countless pages, like there's one me and my buddy just spun up a little bit ago. It's like satisfying moods and it's like somebody carving a piece of soap. Yeah, I've seen Or that. like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, grating cheese or whatever. And like, you, you know, some of those videos will get hundred thousand views yeah out of nowhere you can use those type of ways to get cheaper impressions cheaper traffic on your brand um th there there's there's different trends that are constantly happening again i'm pretty big in the influencer model not from a standpoint of paying them because we all know that most of that game is rigged yeah. but getting people that are big enough to where your paid ads will see a boost interesting at a cheap valuation because they like you your product your mission it goes a long way it helps conversions it can really do uh, retargeting magic because people see that person they have a connection to them especially if it's matched to your demo so like for us uh the tiktok age when we went from zero to four hundred thousand we were only focused on gen z girls who were doing get ready with me in the morning videos our little like renegade dances or whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah. and like you know that was i mean zero to 400k that quick that's fast that's fast you know? yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. people can take advantage of that on platforms it's much harder doing it without a base or without a start um, but there are ways to do it. Right. Yeah. And like a lot of my advising now too, like I'm in gaming, I'm in web three. A lot of these people are all trying to figure it out. Like nobody has the master like marketing, uh, answer anymore. Um, I just know it's not Facebook ads. <laughs> that's like, that's yeah. like the one thing I keep hitting on. Um, but yeah, gr growth hacking, man. It's trying to find ways to get, my philosophy has always been the more impressions for the cheaper you can, your product will speak for itself. Right. Like you don't need to go heavy targeted. You don't need to do the highest uh, cost per acquisition. Like get something that thousands of people can see, feel an affinity towards and at least get the brand in their mind. The rest will come to you if the product speaks well. You have to have a good product. You have to have a good mission, but play the numbers game. You know, yeah. go for that viral for content. Sure. It's for a sure. very rare time in the world to be able to put one post out and, and randomly get a million views. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? But you, you would stay away from probably from apparel if you do this again, right? Oh, man, I mean... My, myself, if I would do an apparel brand again, I'd find the best drop shipping partner with the best margins and the highest quality product. And that's it. 
You know, I'd focus on the bread and butter, creative marketing, growth hacking, partnerships, uh, play around with wholesale if you finally get there. But like, there's no reason to do everything we did. Mm -hmm. We did it because we didn't know any better. We were like, yeah. oh, people do this all the time probably, right? I mean, we had 120 employees at one point. Wow. Jeez. Like that is- What's everyone doing? Dude. <laughs> You should have seen that warehouse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like yeah. all fulfillment. It's all fulfillment. It's all fulfillment. Yeah. Everyone packing. Just packing. We had like printing. 20 people printing. We had three-person accounting team, an HR team, five people on marketing. Oh, wow. Two people to four people on product. Jeez. Uh, so all, all these years, were you guys profitable all these years? Or like was some of you guys lost money? We were profitable pretty much until the time we moved to New York. Okay. And that's when things like, that's why we moved to New York because things were starting to fall off. We were starting to get a lot more... It's uh, like with 120 people, it's like, it's Dude, a lot of payroll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, there's there's a lot of different philosophies on how to manage employees and how to get the most out of employees. And like, I, I was always, and still am like, I want to give my employees as much as I can give them so they are motivated to work their ass off for me, right? Like a lot of people, like, like today, the amount of influencers that are like, I host all of my employees in the Philippines and pay them a dollar an hour to save money. Right. I'm like, what are you doing? Like these yeah. people, like, I'm sorry, they don't care about you. Like they might be appreciative for the pay, but like, they also know yeah. you're paying them a dollar an hour. Yeah. They're not, they're not insane. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So like to your point on cost structure, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Like we had, you know, matching 401k bonuses for everybody down on the prep team. Like, Jeez. Yeah. We wanted to help people out, you know? Yeah. So we definitely had to come to a moment where we were like, all right, we, we got to be profitable again. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you think was your most expensive lesson throughout this whole thing? I'm sure there's a, there's a lot of lessons, but sure. what was like the most expensive one that you, you wished it didn't take as much as you spent to learn it? Yeah, so taking aside my silly uh, app development lesson, right. because that one was just a <laughs> swift kick to the nuts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think the experience team was the one that like, personally hurt me the most and was the hardest lesson because like when you when you hire this this team right like you you think you're gonna have like a mentor mentee relationship you think like these yeah. people can do no wrong they've, they've led all these giant companies they know what they're doing um and like that was a real moment for me where it was like they don't and most people don't and like a lot of people like they do their best, but at the end of the day, like we're all just humans, you know, people are like slightly smarter than one another, yeah. maybe in one specific field. But, you know, we really thought we could just, for lack of a better term, pay our way out of it by bringing right. in better people who we thought we could just hand things off to. Yeah. Um, and we haven't even gotten to this part of the story yet, but like, you know, that was ultimately what led us to have to sell majority of the company was yeah. because we thought we could focus on other things. They had it under control. And once we finally lifted up the hood and saw what was going on, you know, that was a very costly mistake. And it's ultimately what led us to have to ax the team and uh, eventually sell. Yeah. So would you say like it, it probably would have been more advantageous to now I wouldn't even say higher slow, but to have built the team a little bit slower and maybe leaner so that the people that were coming in were higher quality. So you, it was you had to replace them less frequently or, totally. or, or had less mistakes. Totally. And, and I mean, look, it, it happens to everybody, but like when we were doing Ivriella, it was all friends and family. Yeah. You know, like we, we didn't know any better. We were just like, oh, this, tough. this buddy seems to know. <laughs> I made a new rule. Never. I've, said, I've said this on this before. <laughs> I, I've done the mistake plenty of times. Dude, you and I, me I, both, man. I have four hiring criteria 
One is you have to be over the age of 30. Sure. Because I've learned that, like, honestly, if you're, like, under the age of 30, you probably the, your first job, you never had a job. Yeah. And we made an intern, but not a full-time employee. Yeah, sure. like, everyone I've hired sure. is like, oh, like, we just we went to college together. It's like, you're smart. Come on, this way. That's number one. Number two, uh, you're not a friend. Yeah. Because I feel like that, like, has its problems. You it's, know what yeah. I mean? It's tough, man. And yeah. the next one is you're not a friend of a friend. Yeah. Because that also has its problems, too. And the third thing that we do now is, like, um, that they've worked, like, at another job that's similar to the job that they're getting hired sure, for. Yeah, and this yeah. is both for the three people in the agency. Oh right? yeah. Like yeah, across yeah. the board, like yeah. in the, cause in the beginning it was just like, Oh, I need people to pack. Oh, come on. Totally. Like, oh, I need yeah, people to do customer yeah. service. Oh, c- totally. come on. It's like, if you can do it, then you're yeah. eligible as opposed to have you done it. Be- because like the thing that I learned too, it's like, okay, you're a smart kid. Check. Great. But now this, <laughs> but now this job that I need you to do is going to take you like 18 months to two years to like yep. get to that position to like be fully in that position. And a lot of people don't want to spend that time. No, they don't yeah. spend the time. And like, then it's, then you're frustrated as like the business owner. You're like, Hey, like the hell, you know totally. what I mean? And you're like, and the other guy's like, well, you didn't show me anything. I'm like, and I'm like, well, I don't even know how to do it myself. Yeah. And dude, that, you know, especially you know? with the friend dynamic, uh-huh. like that's what ends up happening. They're exactly. Like, well, well, dude, like you're not doing this i'm like well i hired you to do this. Yeah. and then he's like i don't know how to do so, it I'm like well i don't know how to do it so like we're all in this the is, this is, together. you gotta hire people that can teach you how to exactly, do it exactly exactly like you know and 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 in those instances like it's not even the fault of anybody like it's just what happens when you're with pre-existing relationships Definitely. before getting into a job you know like nobody wants to yeah. like tell their friend they're doing a shitty job mm-hmm. or like fire a family member like yeah, that yeah. stuff happened all the time Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I um I follow your four rules. No, but but it also sucks because like you would think like I want to hire somebody, pay them whatever. It's so easy to find someone. Post on ZipRecruiter, Indeed, totally. It's not that easy. Totally. It's like I'll post a job for like a warehouse manager. I'll have a hundred people apply, and like literally none of them are good. Yep. So you're just like, yeah. well, shit. I just spent like five hundred bucks on ZipRecruiter. Let me try dude, it again, dude. Like even think about like how people get jobs, right? Like the process of sending in your resume to you know, another online portal that got 3000 submissions that day. You didn't want to submit your thing. Yeah. yeah. Like if I'm a business owner and when I scroll through those uh, applications, am I opening up 3000 applications? Hell no. Yeah, absolutely not. You know? So it's like, if you're not getting a warm referral, the whole thing becomes a little bit more difficult. That's the only way I find clients now. I let my work speak for myself. I let people say, Hey, Get on the phone with these guys. Let them pick your brain. If it makes sense, work together. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because That's not bad. I, I don't want to do sales anymore. Like, I, you know, I'll help somebody sell their stuff. But like for me, like I'm a big relationships guy. I, I try to pay it forward, do my best, like always be a moral high standing. And like that will keep paying to me. People will call me and be like, hey, like so-and-so highly recommends you. Do you want to come check us out and have a conversation? Um when you hire friends and you hire other people like that, you don't have that same level of like somebody's referring them to you. Mm-hmm. Somebody's checked them out already. It's just like you're taking a gamble on somebody who knows they don't have to take you seriously. Literally. Yeah, it doesn't have to take you seriously because they're your freaking friend. And, and yeah. you know, you yeah, too yeah. as a business owner, like you, you assume that they're going to go 110% for you because you're giving them an opportunity. You're giving them a job. You know it's going to be an easy setup for them where they can like relax and not yeah. have to like bust it as hard. But that's exactly what leads to so many fallouts and problems. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm good, man. This has been sick. Yeah. Like I've learned so much. Like your story is nuts. Hey man. It's a good time. Happy <laughs> to yeah, share. It's man. actually crazy. And like honestly, like uh, obviously do you have any promo codes for Avriella? Can we like put a promo yeah, code on yeah, this yeah. thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll pass one we'll, out. We'll, after we'll make a promo code definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then know that ten percent of profits are gonna go to an elephant. Yeah, yeah. The elephants, baby. That, that's yeah, that's, that's the best piece of this. No, this has been sick. Like I think as someone in the space who's been here for so long, literally eight 
eight, yeah, nine, man. 10 years, whatever it's been so far, it's like you've seen just develop and develop and develop. The one thing I'm afraid of is that e-commerce is in a really bad place right now. It's like, it it's hard to do. So I don't yeah. know where this goes after that. I, I mean, look, like, and, and I know we're probably- No, we're, yeah, we're, we're getting to the end. No, no for good. sure. Cool. Like e-commerce is tough, but the world is tough, right? Like- <laughs> And it right, keeps getting tougher. It keeps getting tougher. And like private equity needs a kick in the balls. They need a reset. They're fucking everything up. Like there's no value prop anymore. It's just chasing 2X, 3X, 10X, cutting quality, cutting cost, firing people. And like, it's gonna hit ahead. Retail stores are struggling, wholesalers are struggling, supply chains are struggling, people are overstocked for months. Like it is a very difficult time, but if you follow fundamentals and make a good product, the rest is noise. Like we didn't raise money. We did everything ourselves, you know? Like I know that's rare given we pumped our bags very quickly with the sales, but like you don't have to be in this environment where you're beholden to investors, you're raising money, you're you're in this like difficult position. Like just go slow. Like take the time to build something that people like. And if people like it, the rest is going to come to you. For sure. It's when you're trying to buy some like trendy product and like, you're like, oh, I'm going to catch this wave, like CBD. And yeah. like, that's when things get difficult, you yeah. know, like just stick to the basics, find something people like, sell it, you'll grow a brand. Take your time. Yeah. That's a good way to end this. Take totally. your time. Time is uh, the cure to all. Hey, Amen. One and day at a time. Exactly. Now, this has been awesome. We appreciate you coming out here all the way to New Jersey from New York. Appreciate you. Appreciate Where people find you too, if you want people, if you want people. Yeah, to no, find, you. Find, <laughs> find me. Uh, Are you on Twitter? I, I'm on, I'm on Twitter. Uh, LinkedIn. I know I'm a boomer for saying LinkedIn, but hit me up there. Email rhenny93. I'm always interested to talk to founders. Rhenny93. We'll link it all yeah, in the baby. description. Link it all. We'll, we'll set, yeah. set it all up. So, so what's the goal moving forward? What's, what's the my next step pivot yeah yeah for me it's to stay in the space and just keep helping founders man i mean there is something really satisfying about like helping people solve a problem and yeah. seeing them grow through it um you know I, i've made a good amount of money i'm very fortunate with web3 and crypto that like i don't need to panic so like seeing the people that come to me helping them get through that that's going to be my next year or two. And then we're just awesome. Damn, Damn I hate, I hate cutting it short when you just pulled out the web three uh, crypto right there. We'll get him on again. We'll get him on. Next, you got to do round two. Next next time. Time. Did I tell you I launched an NFT project? Did, Did I you ever? really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My oh God. man. That's, yeah. a conversation. All right, that's the next one. That's the next one. That's the next one. <laughs> to be continued. To be continued. 100%. This has been great. Also, who's sponsoring this one? Do you know what the sponsors are for this one? It's going to be next month, so it's, it's going to be, be shout tough. Shout out to the sponsor. Shout out, well, to, the shout out to the current sponsors. You haven't you'll be, them out. You'll see the yes. banner right banner, here. You'll see the links below. down. Check them support out. Support them. Support us. Support us. Yeah, yeah. We wouldn't be here without them. So yeah, yeah. This costs money to put together. It lots does. Of lots of them. <laughs> Ten-person team. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, oh, this is awesome. For us, make sure you follow, comment, subscribe, share. Tweet, yeah, man. TikTok is, Everything. Stitch it. New Money Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, exactly. we're everywhere. We're not just on one platform. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Anyways, Love guys, it, see you guys on the next one. Take yep. care. Yep.